You're listening to the podcast for Inforum, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Buy tickets to upcoming live events in San Francisco at InforumSF.org. Want even more Inforum? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at InforumSF. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to today's virtual program at the Commonwealth Club. Yes, I'm Jennifer Siebel Newsom, the writer, director, and producer of three documentary films, Misrepresentation, The Mask You Live In, and my latest film, The Great American Lie. And I'm also the first partner of California, and so I'm really excited to be with all of you today. The Great American Lie looks at worsening economic inequality and how our country's hyper-masculine value system has loaded the American dream with extreme masculine ideals about money, power, and rugged individualism at the expense of more feminized ideals like care and community. The organization I founded, The Representation Project, works to awaken people's consciousness and shift their attitudes and behavior around limiting gender norms, ultimately aiming to transform culture. And one of the ways we do this is by hosting these incredible young individuals and future media stars at our annual Youth Media Academy, a free four-week summer program where we train these youth in the power of transformative storytelling, ensuring that diverse voices and perspectives proliferate media in all forms. Passing the mic and elevating the voices of these young people is critical. Two weeks ago, Amanda Gorman read a poem at the Biden-Harris inauguration, and it captivated our hearts and minds, inspiring us all to work diligently to build a more just and equitable future. And so today, we've invited these three remarkable student filmmakers from the Representation Project's 2020 Youth Media Academy to continue the conversation around limiting gender norms and cultural change. So once again, please welcome Angelica Rubio, Samira Barragan, and Trainisha Shear. Good afternoon to all of you. Um, I just wanted to kind of get real here with you um, and, you know, acknowledge that I became a documentary filmmaker because I believe in the power of stories to change hearts and minds, attitudes and behaviors, and ultimately transform culture. And as fellow storytellers and filmmakers, I want you to please share an example of a time when a story in any medium, screen, print, audio, or, or elsewhere, helped open your own hearts and minds and change the way you responded to the world around you. Who wants to start? I can start. Trainisha, go ahead. All right. So the story that really influenced me was um, the movie Pursuit of Happiness, because at a young age, that was about like the first real movie that I've seen. Like That was about real life and real life issues and stuff. So that really um, opened my eyes to like the financial struggles and what one really has to do to get um, like a really good job and provide for their family and things like that. Great. Thanks, Trinisha. Samira? Yes. Um, something that has really opened my mind is Alan Watts audio videos that I watch on YouTube and they're really calming and they expand my knowledge on how big the universe really is and how more there is just than what we've created in in this planet today. Thank you. Angelica? I wanted to follow along with um, Trinisha. I love The Pursuit of Happiness and I think that Will Smith portrayed his character in a phenomenal way. 
Being homeless and supporting his son while he's looking for a job on his own is remarkable because he made it possible to work with what he had. It's just this idea of, if he can do it, why can't I? Which leads me to another story that opened my eyes, and it was called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. This story was mainly about a young boy who couldn't afford going to school, so he taught himself. His village suffered from famine, which is basically a shortage of food, and nobody had a solution except for the little boy. As the village ignored him, the boy managed to convince his dad that he had a solution, and he managed to get the village to come together and build the windmill. This was significant to me because it, it showed how you can't underestimate someone based on their age or color. Not only that, but the boy had limited resources, and he didn't let that get in the way as an excuse. Thank you. So economic inequality is as bad as it was before the Great Depression, and it's only been made worse by COVID-19. My new film, The Great American Lie, argues that inequality and the systemic causes uh, of inequality dating back to our country's founding are a result of an imbalance of our values, an exaltation of rugged individualism combined with a deprioritization, some might even argue stigmatization, of partnership and the collective. This notion that there's no leak on your side of our boat, that we are in this together. Can you share your personal views on economic inequality and your own perceptions of the values that you see as prevailing right or wrong in our country? Um, I definitely agree that values um, really influence the outcome of the economy and in financial situations. So um, yesterday I was actually watching a movie called... Um, South Side with you or something like that. It's about like Barack and Michelle Obama, how they met and stuff like that. So, um, and in that in that movie, he talked about how he was trying to get a community to build um, a community center together, and he talked about how the values of the government have to align with the values of the community in order for something to happen. And um, I really believe that that's true, and that's kind of why like gentrification and stuff like that happens in communities because like. You know, the government wants to make more money and other people want new, more expensive homes, stuff like that. And so they come into communities and obstruct things. But I just really agree with the fact that values affect the community and they affect um, financial situations in the community. And values that I see um, in the world today are things like selflessness, you know, greed that um, lead to things like gentrification. Angelica or Samira? Samira, you want to answer? Yes. I want to say that I find an issue wrong in the country and the world because there's so much greed over a piece of paper that we call money and how I find it unjust how like a long time ago people just gave it a meaning and there's the rich that you know, they, they live good, they they have their homes and their family, while the working class or the lower class are, you know, working um, blood, sweat, and tears to just um, get that piece of paper. So I think there's something that needs to be addressed through storytelling with that. I totally agree. I find I find occupational sex segregation to be unfair due to the gender stereotypes and unequal pay, especially when men and women tend to work in different jobs. 
Um, there's also racial discrimination, pay gaps, and wage inequality that's still occurring in our country. Great, guys. Thanks. Um, now, I'm going to um, get into each of your films, and I want to talk to you first, Angelica, about your film, but let's play a short clip. I sleep in a room with my mom and sister. I share a house with another family. I can't communicate with my mom because she doesn't speak English and I don't speak Spanish fluently. My mom and sister, both single mothers, work most of the day while I care for my sister's three kids. There's no privacy and every decision that I can make is already made for me. So beautiful. Um, can you tell me, Angelica, um, why you selected the title Filters of Life and how your film lends insight into your experience as a young person living in the world I illustrated in The Great American Lie? And what do you hope audiences will learn from your experience in your film? There are many different versions of life. And for you, it is going to be based on your own perspective. There's filters used in pictures, and there's filters used in life. You get to decide which filter you use. My film described my personal issues with my family and how I felt limited in what I was able to do because of situations that I was put under. I was never able to experience the American dream because of this. I hope that the audience understands that sometimes the best decision to make is to make this decision alone. You are capable of your own freedom and you have the voice to change the world. Thank you, Angelica. It's beautiful. Um, and I want to say that because I feel protective of you and you're such a talent, all of you ladies, but I want the American dream and the California dream to work for you. So we're not giving up, okay? <laughs> um, Samira, let's play a short clip from your film. And then we get to talk to you. The first time I heard the word gentrification, I had no idea what it was or what it could do. Not until I saw my neighborhood slowly changing and a lot of more houses were being shut down and a lot of more businesses as well. And most neighbors that have always been here aren't here anymore. So, Samira, can you tell us what's happening in your community that sparked your desire to produce gentrification? What is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about bringing in big businesses all at the expense of smaller locally owned businesses, which are often owned by people of color? So um, in, in the community, there seems to be a lot of new businesses and coming in and bringing in aesthetically pleasing, you know, stores such as vintage stores or coffee shops. And they just, they wipe out the old businesses and all the old time residents can do, you know, the seniors is just window shopping, you know? And I think what people have, they have a misconception of the big businesses by thinking that it's just remodeling and improvements, but they never, some people don't know what can go on behind all that remodeling. Thank you. Um, 
So appreciate that. Okay. Well, let's, um, all insightful. You guys are fabulous. Okay. So let's play a short clip from Trainisha's film. Black isn't in the rainbow, but it's the color of our skin. Black doesn't just turn on, it's a constant power from within. Black isn't a weapon, but it's often used to run as thin. Trainisha, Black Till It's Backward was originally created as a poem for Black History Month event. Um, you did an excellent job of raising the point that the word free can have different meanings to different people based on the color of their skin. What does free mean to you as a young Black woman living in the United States in 2021? You conclude your film with the statement, to get new information, you need a new perspective. Get informed. What do you see as steps that our audience can take to achieve this? Free, um, free to me means mostly just being well-educated, being financially stable, and being understood. Um, by understood, I mean, like, not being misrepresented in the media and really, like, having a connection with people around you. And things that people can do to get informed is just be open to those connections and really get to know other people's stories and where they come from and um, just their life and how they've had to live it. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So now I'm going to go back to asking you all questions together and whoever wants to jump in, feel free to unmute yourself. Um, but what are some of the connections that you saw between the great American lie and the film that you produced this summer? And in what ways does this impact or affect the way that you now communicate with your family or society? Samira? Um, the the comparison that I saw was that gentrification and the issue was talked about and how this affects families and how they have to leave everything behind because of people choosing property over business. I mean, over families, sorry. And this has affected the way I see uh, life and society with my family and others by how I'd like to spread more knowledge and learn on the way more things. That's great. Thank you. Trainisha or Angelica? Yeah, some... Oh, go ahead, Trainisha. Thank you. Um, some similarities that I found between my film and yours was like, just the fact that they both took place in neighborhoods and were about something that we were passionate about. And like, they both involved changes that needed to happen. Um, yeah. And a way that it affects the communication is because like, it's a whole another way to communicate is through um, film. And you can really see what we're saying instead of just hearing it. That's great, yeah. Film is such a visceral medium, so powerful in that regard. Angelica? 
Some connections towards the Great American Lie and Filters of Life are the effects of economy, equality, goals, communication, freedom, and prosperity. These set of ideals affect the way I communicate with my family and society, making the American dream a lie. The economy shaped the way how often my family stayed home, how often we communicated, how many times we celebrated together, how many times I got to eat in a day, and how our household lacked vulnerability. The economy shouldn't determine people's values or mine, and filters of life allow me to have the opportunity to open up to others and hear more voices. It made me realize that it only takes one person to make an impact amongst their community. That's great. Thank you. Uh, so have you felt, have you ever felt that someone has sought to limit you based on your gender, your race, or your ethnicity? How old were you at the time? How did it make you feel? And what did you, or what do you wish that that person knew about the impact of limiting a young person like yourself? And I can repeat any of those questions, but broadly speaking, who wants to start? I can start. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to speak generally about this because there's been a few too many times in my life where I felt limited, but like being um, a child of color really limits you kind of twice as much because children are really limited and people of color are really limited. And they're just limited in ways like, oh, society doesn't think you can do as well as the next person. And I think that... Um, like that really impacts them and it just makes them believe that maybe they can't do as much or maybe they aren't as good as the next person. And yeah, I just really think that anyone who limits anyone else should know that there's no qualifications for age, race, gender that tell you what you can do. There's no, like a two-year-old maybe can do more than the next 10-year-old can, you know, it just, there's no telling on what a person can do just by who they are and their identity. Thanks, Trinisha. I agree with Trinisha because um, I think at this age, people like to judge my knowledge just because uh, I'm, I'm 17 and many times like teachers would say to me like, how do you know this? You're just 17. You don't know anything about that. But as far this what they can, people can say and judge your age, I mean, judge your knowledge by your age can either make you, make a person feel insecure or, in my case, want to prove them wrong. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was 12 when I wanted to work because I saw my mom struggling to pay the bills and I was never able to help her and I didn't have the resources at the time. So growing up and uh, growing up, the only place that I was able to go to was school, and I only had the option to be involved in community service. So um, I never had the transportation to go anywhere or the ability to drive. So most of the time, I had to stay home with my mom and help babysit as my sister went to work. And I felt hopeless because I wasn't able to go out with friends or live my life as a teenager, and it made me feel isolated. Oh, you guys, I love um, how um, authentic you all are, and I appreciate you being candid with us. It's very moving 
uh, I think it's such an important element to storytelling. So thank you. So talk to me more about the ways that the Youth Media Academy experience impacted the way in which you view the world. Trinisha, do you want to start? Yeah, um, in a more literal way, you know, making a film allowed me to view the world through a camera lens and just really see things in a different way. But um, I've also gotten to see that storytelling is a very powerful way to tell your own story and to get something across. Like, for example, my, my poem, it was just a poem at first, you know, there wasn't any visuals to it. And it was just words on a page that I could speak, you know, but um, telling them through film is like a whole another thing. Like people can actually have visuals to look at it. And I even put like, you know, the black screen for when the words are being read to um, like really bring out the poem. But there's still like a neighborhood being shown in between and the formatting of the, the visuals, like it just really makes you think beyond what the words are being said. Right. That's great. Samira? Uh, for me, uh, the Youth Media Academy has really impacted the way I view the world because I never would have thought I would have been creating my first film and, and being here with all of you. And, and it's just a really new experience for me and I, that I love and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Angelica? The Youth Media Lab set so many doors for me and opportunities. I was able to find my voice, connect with my community, enter film festivals, and reflect upon myself and environment. That's great. So you're all young female filmmakers, and as a fellow filmmaker and founder of the Representation Project, I've been committed to challenging harmful gender stereotypes and all of the ways that the, it intersects with other forms of oppression across society. So what's one gender-based stereotype that you're committed to disrupting and rebuilding with your own storytelling? A gender-based stereotype that I am committed to disrupt and rebuild is the over-sexualization of women. I see this in the platforms of social media everywhere today, and I notice that the younger generations are even influenced by it. Just like in misrepresentation, humans are not objects. People should be valued as whole human beings and not gender stereotypes. That's great. Samira? A gender stereotype that I think is wrong um, would be when a girl just wants to dress comfortable, like maybe some sweats, some uh, oversized t-shirt when they're anywhere, but people see this, oh, you're dressed like a boy, or it could be vice versa as well, like a boy who just maybe wants to wear a dress or, you know, um, break those, those, those norms and, or paint his nails and they see this as something feminine when in reality, who, why are there rules? You know, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Samira. Uh, Trinisha? Um, I would like to start by saying I definitely agree with Angelica and Samira on those ones. Yeah, that, those are definitely true. And um, a stereotype that I would like to break and rebuild is 
the angry black woman stereotype that's often portrayed in media. It's just such a misrepresentation as black women as a whole. And, you know, like I said, it's good to be understood. So, I mean, that's definitely something that needs to be changed. Right on. I agree. Uh, we often hear about mentorship between two generations, but so much cultural change over the past several decades has really only taken off when younger generations like yourselves are leading the way. Perhaps those of us who want to, who want to see greater equality in society should be mentored by your generation. Um, what do you want the adults watching this discussion to know about your views on equality? Um, I was, yeah. <laughs> um, so for, for my experience, like I've seen children as young as like five and six out here, like speaking about like being young activists. So I just want people to know that there's no age limit for activism and my views on it. Like the fact that there's five and six years old and they're speaking about this, it just means that like the inequalities in the world are just very blatant and very blunt and easy to understand. And it's easy to see that that's wrong. And it's easy to see that there are changes that need to be made. And so I just think that the younger you are, the and the easier it's, it is for you to see these changes that need to be made. Like that's why there's young activists and children know a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Samira? I agree with Trinisha. I would like to, I want the adults to know that it doesn't matter what race, gender, color, or age you are, that if you're brave enough to want and to take that extra step to make your voice heard or to want to change the world, that anyone can absolutely do it. That's great. Thanks, Samira. Angelica? I agree with Samira and Trinisha. It's really important for adults to know that young voices need to be heard. Our age, culture, or experience shouldn't affect the way that people view us. It is really important to trust and listen to our generation. In Filters of Life, I was able to make my voice stronger and powerful. Women like AOC, Michelle Obama, Angela Davis, Dolores Huerta, and all these feminists and activists need more recognition, especially those of color. Their voices matter, and so does the youth. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to get into some of the audience questions. Um, what specifically inspired the three of you to become filmmakers or more specifically to join the Youth Media Lab? Tanisha? For me, it was just that, you know, it was COVID during this time that we were doing the YMA program. So I just really didn't have much to do, you know. And I was definitely open into all the opportunities that were coming my way. And this was one of them. So it just like being at home and not really doing much really um, made me want to try new things. And this was one of them. Great. Thank you. I agree with Trinisha. Um, I was the type of person who always um, is involved in school and community service. And I saw this uh, program as an opportunity to, to try something new and get into filmmaking. Uh, awesome. Samira? Um, my dad's friend, Ernesto Quintero, is a really talented filmmaker that I really admire. So he 
came to me and told me about this opportunity. And, and I, I was thinking about it. And then I was like, oh, okay. I was like, let's do it. And then I did it. And, and yes, yeah, so it was really great. I love it. What was the most uh, memorable part of the Youth Media Academy? Training staff? The most memorable part was I was I thought I was done with my film and one of my cohort members, her name was Janet Luna. If you watch my credits, she's in there. Um, she really just um, challenged me to make the visuals different. So I had originally had the film all upside down, I believe. And she was like, and I was like, oh, that was a mistake because it was a mistake at first. And she just said that maybe you should keep it like that, you know? And then she explained how that could like tie into the title of it, like black till it's backwards. So just getting to connect with her on that level and just the experience of meeting other people like me who wanted to be filmmakers at a young age was really powerful. That's great. Thank you. Samira? Or Angelica? I remember when I went to Annie DeGaulder's house as a member of the Representation Project and Youth Media Academy. Um, it was unforgettable when I went to visit her because she was willing to help me with anything. And I remember that I felt like I everything was not coming together and everything was last minute. And so being able to record her family as part of my film was something that I can reflect upon myself and remember it's great thank you something that i can remember in a positive way about the youth media academy was really seeing how many young people all around the world can create such beautiful stories and and for me i loved hearing every single one of the stories that were shown and that i had the privilege to see and i think it's it's great that we're allowed to speak for people who are maybe afraid of speaking over some topics. That's great. What was the most surprising part of, or was there a, a, you know, a surprising moment or part of your film, of your filming process? Oh, sorry. I'm muted. Sorry. Uh, what was the most surprising part or a surprise to you in the filmmaking process? Or were there any growth moments or kind of aha moments that you experienced that you want to share with us? Um, I remembered when I filmed my film, I didn't have a tripod or any of the materials needed to be a filmmaker. And so I, I found a way to just adjust to what I had and still be able to accomplish the goal of just creating the film and make it come together. That's great. Trinisha? For me, oh no, Samira. Sorry. Uh, for me, I think one of the parts that surprised me was the editing because I never done it before, and I, I was just editing and editing, and and I never knew it was gonna be like that. But I, I finally got it done, and I was proud of myself. That's awesome. Yay, Trinisha. I would actually say something similar to Samira. I did not know that filmmaking took that much patience with the editing process, but, you know, I got it done. 
Um, did you have a favorite part though? Like for me, I mean, I love interviewing people, but then I love getting into the story and the crafting. And then I love the picture and I, every little frame I'm so particular. And then you add the score and it's like, Oh, nope, it needs to be a different instrument or it needs to shift here. Or we need, you know, you, you played with sound. Uh, so Trainisha in a, in a really cool way. Um, so sound design is really fun too. Um, did you have a favorite part, all of you? Yeah, I would say my favorite part was when I actually got a hang of the editing process and I was able to really know what I was doing and when going in with the sound and the video and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It feels really good, doesn't it, afterwards? <laughs> it can be painful, though. Oh, my gosh. Those nights where I'm banging my head. <laughs> um, Angelica uh, or Samira? I agree with you, Trainisha. I think, you know, I had I had many favorite parts during editing too, because after having struggling to have patience to edit and get it right, I think my favorite part was when I finally did get it right and I saw everything flowing together nicely and the music and the images and the videos and everything put together right really made me glad. Angelica? Yeah, I totally agree with Samira and Tanisha. My favorite part was editing and being able to um, see all the pieces come together at the end and see the accomplishment that you did and the hard work of everything coming together. Uh, Trinisha, I have a specific audience question for you. What was the most challenging part of translating your poem into a film? Um, I would say the hardest part was even coming up with the visuals for it because I knew that I wanted to speak on that topic and I wanted to incorporate my film into my, I mean, incorporate my poem into my film, but I didn't exactly know how. So I just, you know, I went on a walk with my dog and I was like, well, let me just record. And then I was like, oh, I can put the sound over it, but I didn't want it to be like boring. And I wanted there to be like suspense in a way you know so I was just putting it together I just really struggled to come up with an idea for that that's great um Angelica we were talking earlier and and I was you know sensing that you're you've got the you know the like the commitment um to to filmmaking I want to ask all of you I mean are you considering a career in film or another form of media? I mean, are you hooked? Um, and if so, or if not, but like what kind of stories do you want to tell? Do you want to produce um, to have an impact on the world? Angelica, do you want to start? Yeah, um, I think for me, I'm really interested in filmmaking and continue the process of it. I also want to continue the entertainment industry where I can just um, be an actor and just be able to be that character and show that feeling the same way as a filmmaker would be doing throughout the process of creating a film. And it's just very uh, determination to see the process of just these different types of um, jobs that come together. Yeah, that's great. Trinisha or Samira? Um, okay, I'll go. I don't, like, I'm not sure if I would, like, make a career out of it but I definitely feel like filmmaking is not just a one-time thing you know it can be done anytime in any situation you know so I just 
feel like that's definitely something I will continue to do. I don't think I'll make a career out of it per se, but I'll always definitely have a, a urge to, you know, pursue some type of filmmaking. And um, yeah. And you should even just communications, right? Right. Yeah. Just, and I, I really resonate with like emotional stories. And I definitely think that those are always something that should be shared with others, like personal experiences, stuff like that. And like, I do want to pursue a career that has to do with, you know, people's personal experiences and making life better and changing the world. So I just definitely think that capturing it all in film would be a part of that. That's great. Samira? Um, For me, I'm not really sure right now, but I think maybe in the future I will continue with making films because I really love the the idea of bringing change in the world and and showing people, like telling them maybe things that they didn't know before and, you know, really making an impact in this world before, you know, we, we all go back to what we were before and Awesome. Um, another kind of big question that's important to me because I um, it's always bothered me. And I um, I also have two young daughters and two young sons who have been exposed to various forms of social media just with more time online, especially as a result of COVID. And uh, it's heartbreaking to me what kids are exposed to uh, at the, in, the, in this day and age. Um, the barriers uh are, are very few and far between to, you know, what they, what is essentially at their fingertips. So the hypersexualization of females on social media was something that each of you saw as being a, a real issue. How can we educate um, young men and women, males and females alike, that all women are not objects or possessions? Thoughts here? Angelica? I think that we should, or anyone in general, should um, treat themselves with respect first and present themselves how they want to be seen. That way, if we can start showing ourselves with respect, we can start changing the way how people think of us. I think this really comes from the messages can be given to the boys or the girls and how they should treat each other. And it all starts through the radios or through the TVs or through any other people. And the music they listen to sometimes doesn't have, you know, these, it gives really bad messages to the mind of others. And they start to think that this is how uh, women should be treated or this is how they women should be portrayed. And so we, like, have you guys been involved in any of our not buying it campaigns or ask for more campaigns? I know you learned a little bit about that um, in the Youth Media Academy, but, um, you know, standing up to using campaigns and, and social activism and social justice filmmaking to challenge limiting stereotypes and norms is one way to go, Correct. Trainisha, did you want to say something more there? 
Yeah, Samira was kind of touching on this, but um, when you bring up the this issue and the fact that it's mostly on social media, I just initially think that it needs to be fixed on social media, you know? Like, we have to use what's the we have to use what the problem is to make the solution so we have to like change things on social media so that people will stop having this problem on social media and yeah I just think that that's where it needs to start um you want to tell people where they can see your full films aside from through the representation project is there any other Thing you want to share with them through our, our website at the representation project no okay good <laughs> um well i am so proud of all you guys and i have more questions here um let's see what would you say you need from adults in society or your community so you can make the change that you need to see angelica uh, I I think or Samira. I think that if you if you see support really, I think builds up. You know, if you want to do something, if you, having your people's support and them having your back is always something. <clears throat> sorry, is always something really good that can inspire you to do more. Yeah, it's really important to have supportive adults in our lives if not at home, to find them elsewhere, right? And it doesn't always come from home, which makes it harder, obviously. Um, but I, 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 um, I had a wonderful childhood, but I definitely saw it and have continued to seek relationships and, and support and mentorship outside because I, you know, it's different perspectives and different wisdom and life experiences that, that ultimately I think enrich you and your life. Um, and don't, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, home can limit us, right? Um, as Angelica, you so eloquently exposed in your film. Any thoughts there on adults and how they can be more supportive? Yeah, kind of like what Samira was saying, like, we need their support. And I just feel like maybe them connecting us to other people, like, you know, making connections and like, Maybe if they have children, like introduce us so that we can spread our ideas with different people in the community and just be able to reach out and have like a platform to share our ideas and our way of thinking and our need for a change in society. I definitely agree. I think that um, we need support from those that have connections and the opportunities to have that future for not only student generations, but for ourselves as well, and be a better representation for everyone who's watching. Mm. One of the things I'm so excited about that we're working on at the Representation Project is creating uh, more support for you beyond uh, the Youth Media Academy, such that you have these internships and relationships with networks that we have um, that are um, you know, established media entities to again, continue to expose you uh, to, you know, a diverse um, array of media uh, makers and creators and storytellers uh, to essentially mentor and, and, and sort of, you know, sponsor you if you so desire um, as you continue on this journey. 
So that's something I'm really looking forward to um, this year in particular. But final round robin question. Um, so the Commonwealth Club has this tradition of asking speakers a question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna respond first and, and offer my um, response, and then I'd love for you guys to follow. Um, but the question is. What is your 60-second idea to change the world? And mine is that as my film, The Great American Lie, explores, I want people to engage in their own truth-telling, to break bread with people who have different lived experiences, all with the goal of exploring our common humanity, both online and in real life, so that together we can shift hearts and minds, attitudes and behaviors, and reimagine the American dream for everyone who calls this country home. So that's mine. I'd love you guys to share yours. What is your 60-second idea to change the world or change America? <laughs> we can start there. <laughs> who, who, Angelica, do you want to go? Yeah, um, don't be afraid of failure. You can do something you love and still be able to give back. That's great. Thank you. Wonderful. My husband will appreciate that. It's like his thing. <laughs> Samira. Okay. Um, I think that in order to change the world, like Gandhi once said, be the change that you wish to see. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I think um, it all begins... You, in order to change the world, you must change how you view the world and your illusions and your mindset. And maybe if everyone listens instead of judging, and if there's more, like, if there's more respect and love and compassion, and we all join together, then the world can prosper. Mm, that's great. Thank you. So risk-taking, fail forward fast, coming together, listening to each other with respect and kindness. What about you, Trainisha? Um, My idea is young, compassionate leaders. So we just need young people to seek the problem and take steps every day to work towards changing it. Um, you know, being compassionate to those around you and spreading love and just overcoming all the hatred in the world and the negativity. Yeah, I really, I have to say, thank you for, for that, Trainisha. I, um, I really feel for you because I'm an adult that's, you know, I'm, I'm 46. I'm, I'm a lot older than you guys. And I am really disturbed by all the hate in the world. And so I appreciate you all, you know, having conviction and knowing truth and not being afraid to speak truth. Uh, but you know, leading and leaning in with love and, and recognizing that we have to call out the hate and the misogyny and the racism and all the, the othering that is going on. Um, so thank you for your strength and your courage in, in that regard, because it's a really, really scary time. And I, I don't know how you all handle it because you grew up with all of this social media, but also a lot of hate where in some ways um, it feels like, you know, enough of us, because we didn't have social media uh, when we were younger, we, we weren't exposed to all of this. We may have been exposed to it in our physical lives, but not, you know, coming at you 24-7. Um, and and I, I know that 
it's it's wrong. And I just I I want to wrap my arms around all of you and and younger generations um, to just spread the love and remind you that it's not normal and you don't have to put up with it. And so it's one of the reasons I think our youth media work is so important because I hope that you can keep feeling the love and support and leaning into, you know, your power and the power of your voice and, um, you know, just committing to, again, be the change you wish to, to see in the world because we have a lot of work in front of us. Um, that was not my, those were not my concluding remarks, <laughs> but maybe, maybe there, let me, I'm, now I'm trying to remember what I, what I was going to say, but I just, I, I, I really want to thank you all. You are remarkable young women, remarkable storytellers. I want to thank you, Angelica, Samira, and Trinisha for joining me for this special Commonwealth Club Youth Talks program. Thank you to all of our viewers. Thank you to the Gruber Foundation. Um, if you'd like to learn more about the Representation Project's Summer Youth Media Academy and watch these in all of our student films, you can visit the representationproject.org um, slash young hyphen person. And if you'd like to learn more about the Commonwealth Club and their on, upcoming online programs, you can visit the commonwealthclub.com slash online. Um, my film, The Great American Lie, is available for streaming on demand and on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. Uh, and I just, again, want to thank you for joining us and for sharing your stories and working with us to create a better world. Um, you, youth, inspire me. And I just want to say we're partners on this journey of life. And I look forward to continuing to work with you and to do whatever I can to support you um, and to being your ally on this journey. And again, thank you for everything today, all of you who joined us. Keep, again, supporting Commonwealth. Get to know us if you don't already at the Representation Project. There's so much work to be done in this world to ensure justice and equality for everyone. Um, I wish everyone a wonderful afternoon, a safe next few months to a year. Again, Jennifer Siebel Newsom here. This concludes today's program. Thank you all so much. You've been listening to a podcast of Inform, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Support our podcast and find out about upcoming live events in San Francisco at informsf.org.